0: Welcome in, everyone, to the Talkin' Tide podcast. I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover Television. I'm joined, as I am, each episode by Travis Ryer, who is the longtime uh, analyst at BamaOnline.com, senior analyst, and as well the daily radio host of Southern Fried Sports in Tuscaloosa, which you can catch weekdays 11 to noon at 102.9 FM, Tide 1029, as it were, uh the Talk of Tide podcast available at podbean.com our web host you can also get it on various platforms including iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher and TuneIn and we're tuning in uh with a little post game edition of Talking Tide this week Travis uh Alabama playing on the road at Mississippi State in men's basketball and an outcome that uh uh Pretty ugly one for Crimson Tide fans. 81-62 to 62 the final score at the hump. Uh, Alabama falls to 6-5 and five in the league. I believe Mississippi State improves to 5-6 and six in the league. So Alabama had just put together back-to-back SEC wins, I believe, for the first time all season coming into this one, uh, but could not string three in a row.
1: No, they could not. And I don't think it's a surprise that Alabama lost the game or even – lost the game by by double figures. But, uh, you know, just the all-around sloppy play from this team, a team that really lacked energy early on. You knew State pretty much in desperation mode at this point at four and six in the league coming into this contest, having lost uh, its two previous home games against really good clubs in LSU and Kentucky. You were going to get absolutely Mississippi State's best shot on Tuesday night over in Starkville, and that's what happened. You know, I thought early in the game, Chase, uh, noticeable deficit in terms of energy uh, early in the contest, uh, give State a lot of credit, uh, forced a bunch of turnovers, 18 turnovers for Alabama in the game. Some of those, though, unforced, and, and complicating matters for Alabama w- w- without the, the requisite energy needed to, to get a road win in a, in a setting like Tuesday night. Uh, was transition defense. It wasn't just that Alabama turned the basketball over. It's that when Alabama turned it over, it seemingly led to layup after layup, dunks, easy buckets on the other end, uh, as State outscored Alabama 28-5 to five in points off turnovers. But it was pretty much uh, you know, every aspect, every area of the game, State was dominant. I, I wasn't sure how Alabama – I think with about seven minutes to go, was actually within nine chase uh, at that point. Had the basketball um, at the under eight sort of section of the game. Uh, Tevin Mack played pretty well. Tevin Mack, Dazon Ingram, Kyra Lewis in the second half. That's pretty much what kept Alabama even within striking distance in the second half. But Mack turns down a wide-open three drives into a charge in a nine-point game and from that point forward state pretty much slammed the door on any other hopes alabama might have had
0: yeah not enough fingers on two hands to point them in all the directions where some blame could be assigned and this one for alabama early in the game uh, alabama had a lot of defensive woes it was really easy for mississippi state to get into the paint uh, early in the game offensively and Alabama couldn't establish uh, in the first half offensively. Kira Lewis, one field goal the entire first half. It was a three-pointer, but you got to get that guy established offensively on the road more than that in a half. Uh, John Petty, uh, who did not start, uh, didn't even have a shot attempt in the first half, so... A little surprised that uh, the deficit kind of seemed to balloon to about 10 fairly quickly and just kind of hung around 10 the whole rest of the game. I'm not sure Alabama got too much closer than 7 or 8 the rest of the way. Uh, But, uh, yeah, rough one. Alabama, I don't think they had a second-chance basket until they were about four and a half minutes left in the first half. Uh, Another bad sign for sure. Tevin Mack, as you noted, though, Travis, uh, played one of his best games for Alabama, 25 minutes, uh, ends up with 13 points. It seemed like more than that. Um, Hit three three three-pointers. But team never in sync offensively, particularly early and uh, defensively. You You give up more than 40 points as they did, 43 points I think it was in the first half. Problems on that end, too. Yeah, again, you you can
1: pick an area. Uh, And and in the college game, much like any level of basketball, it it really starts with guard play. Um, Wasn't good enough defensively against state point guard Lamar Peters, who is very much a handful on the ball. Uh, Q Weatherspoon uh, had a a very efficient offensive performance for Mississippi State. You know, if Lamar Peters and Quindary Weatherspoon are combined for 42 points, you're probably going to have a tough time uh, against this Mississippi State team. It wasn't just that, though, in the first half. Uh, Reggie Perry, the true freshman post, the former McDonald's All-American for state, very strong for the Bulldogs in the post in that opening 20 minutes with 10 points. Abdul Adu, the other post for state, uh, had six or eight points, so about 18 combined points for, Alabama, uh, for Mississippi State post players in the first half to go along with the damage that Peters and Weatherspoon were doing uh, out on the perimeter. So, yeah, I mean, again, you can sort of pick any area you want, uh, and certainly when you combine that with the turnover problems that Alabama had and not just turning it over, but with those turnovers leading to easy buckets on the other end for State, kind of a predictable outcome in this one.
0: It was. What do you make of John Petty in a bench role, Travis? Is he a guy you think Alabama really needs to start game after game and get established early? Or do you think maybe coming off the bench as as a guy who can, you know, uh, create maybe a spark offensively with a couple of threes, is that a better role for him on this team?
1: You know, it's a good question. And, and I think the two spots that you probably look at in relation to this starting lineup for Alabama Chase are – Daison Ingram at the one guard spot, um, and then Herb Jones, you know, who is so versatile in, in all the different things he can do on the defensive end of the fork can guard one through five, for the most part, maybe not some fives, but pretty much one through four. You know, Herb Jones gives you that ability. Um, it, you know, I, I go back and forth on that. Uh, you know, Tevin Mack to me, you're able to stretch him as sort of a, a pseudo post player. Uh, but he can play out on the perimeter, as we know. Uh, so you're basically going with Dante Hall as your one true post, as it is. Uh, you know, Petty, it, it, it's hard to say. I, I You know, there's nights like tonight he, he takes the donut, you know, but only took three shots in the game. You know, did have a team high, I guess, three assists, so that's a positive. Um, but just didn't get enough out of those. You know, the bench has been pretty good to Alabama of late. But when you look at it tonight, Riley Norris, who's had some some nice stretches of late, just three points off the bench. And then your post players. I talked about Adu and and uh, Perry, especially in the first half for State. Well, you know, Dante Hall did give you 11 points, seven rebounds. So that's a solid effort. But between Alex Reese, who's coming off the flu, so, so you got to understand that, uh, Galen Smith coming off a concussion back in action on Tuesday night, And Daniel Giddens, you got two points from those three guys. And I want to say you got two points and one rebound off the bench from your other three post players. So, um, you know, but as far as Petty goes, I don't don't think it matters all that much, especially with the way Avery subs. You know, it's all about minutes. Petty comes off the bench, but like he did on Tuesday night, plays 23 minutes. You know, those are starters minutes. So, you know, as long as the minutes are there – I don't think it's it's all that big a deal.
0: Crimson Tide is going to be taking on the Florida Gators at home in Tuscaloosa. That'll be Saturday, a 1 p.m. Central time tip-off. It'll be uh, televised by ESPNU. If you watched the, the broadcast of the Mississippi State game, Travis, they noted that, uh, at least based on projections at this time, Alabama was – uh, so projected as a 10 seed in the NCAA mm-hmm. tournament and the, and uh, it looked to be the last SEC tournament in first SEC team out, the Florida Gators. Uh, so when you consider that, that, that Alabama kind of on the, on the bottom end uh, of the make field and Florida's on the top end of the miss field and in, in the SEC, how big is this home game against UF on Saturday?
1: Uh, I think the next three. are are huge because they're all winnable games and you're sitting there with six conference wins. And whereas these aren't necessarily quadrant one opportunities for Alabama coming up, they can really hurt you uh, if you lose them or you lose one of them even Uh, with Florida coming in, as you noted as a fringe team right now, based on Joe Lenardi, his latest bracketology there on Tuesday uh, on ESPN.com. He had Alabama in as a 10 seed Uh, Florida, as you said, first four out based on Joe Lenardi's projections right now. you got to stack these wins when you can. And as I've talked about before, February a month in which Alabama should be able to do that. Eight games in the month of of February. Alabama now two and two in the month, I believe. So, you know, a five and three month, even a six and two month with no Tennessee, no LSU, no Kentucky in February – That should be doable, but I think it's going to come down to games like Florida on Saturday at Coleman Coliseum. You've got a bad Vanderbilt team still coming to Coleman here in the next week or so. You've got Texas A&M on the road that's not a very good team. You need to even up that season series after blowing that second-half lead against the Aggies here in Tuscaloosa earlier in the season. So, you know, the magic number in terms of conference wins is as far as getting out of the month, of of february should be nine i would say and then you get into early march that's when things crank back up because while they're home games you get lsu auburn those will be tough games at coleman coliseum and then a road game at arkansas won't be easy so um you know and maybe not again necessarily resume building opportunities coming up but kind that can certainly chip away at what you've put together to this date. If you don't take care of business.
0: Yeah. That LSU game will be a March 2nd game. It's a Saturday game, 11 AM tip off in Tuscaloosa and LSU. Travis just knocked off those Kentucky wildcats on what looked like a controversial stick back at the end. Might've had that, that hand in the cylinder. Um, non-reviewable, but, yeah. non-reviewable. <laughs> the right. man said. Yeah.
1: But you know, you think though that maybe there's an exception that can be made in Rupp Arena. You know, when that happens for the visiting <laughs> they team, they
0: call that the yeah. Rupp review. The yeah, Rupp review. The Rupp
1: review. <laughs> uh, hold on, time out.
0: <laughs>
1: We're gonna keep it here, gang. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Didn't This happen. one may
1: not be over yet. But it, you're right. Hey, give LSU a lot of credit. Will Wade. Um, I, LSU's won 13 out of 14 now. So they've kind of flown under this radar of Tennessee, and I know I've been big on Kentucky, and I still am. Um, But perhaps we haven't been as big as we need to be on the legitimacy of this LSU team. This isn't an LSU team, by the way, that's getting it done with smoke and mirrors. This is a legitimately Sweet 16, Elite 8, Talented sort of LSU team, Chase. This, this is a real deal basketball team under Will Wade.
0: They're big and they're athletic. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's been pretty remarkable the way LSU's kind of bounced back because they they they've been, you know, the, ever since Ben Simmons disappeared, that program was was uh, in the doldrums for sure. But uh, looking outstanding. Uh, this season for sure, and uh, Alabama, as you said, after they get LSU, they take on uh, Auburn March 5th. That's another home game. Alabama, uh, like Texas A&M, they'll be looking to even up that series, and they go uh, on the road at Arkansas on march 9th the talk tide podcast at podbean.com itunes google play stitcher and tune in it rolls on travis will take a quick time out to thank a couple of sponsors of the program right now starting with north river dental associates and dr jack smalley for all of your dental needs your family's dental needs be sure to head over to north river dental associates it's at 1100 fairfax park right off McFarland Boulevard. Cannot beat the service, cannot beat uh, the quality of the care you get. Uh, you only get one set of teeth, two actually, but one set of adult teeth. You got to take care of them, and uh, you need to do it over with Dr. Jack. The phone number is 752-3506. You can also go to NorthRiverDentist.com for an appointment. Be sure to check them out. It's North River Dental Associates.
1: I'm going to tell you about Carty and Lloyd Attorneys at Law right there in downtown Tuscaloosa. That's where you're going to find Mike Carty and John Lloyd, a pair of Tuscaloosa-based attorneys who have a combined 60-plus years of legal experience between them. That's right, since 1992. Carty and Lloyd, Attorneys at Law, have served Alabamians and others from around the United States. 205-759-1554, that's the phone number to call. Also, check out the website, www.CarteeLloydLaw.com. That's Cartee and Lloyd, attorneys at law. Also, Mercedes-Benz of Tuscaloosa out there at 3200 Skyland Boulevard East. That's where you're going to find the very best selection of automobiles, either new or certified pre-owned. They're waiting for you right now at mercedes Benz of Tuscaloosa. Check out the website, Mercedes of Tuscaloosa.com. You can find each and every automobile as it sits on the lot today, waiting for you to check out right now at Mercedes of Tuscaloosa.com. Do that first, then make your way to 3200 Skyland Boulevard East for the very best in selection, sales, and service after the sale. It is Mercedes Benz of Tuscaloosa.
0: Talking Tide Podcast at Podbean.com. Rolling on Travis Ryer and Chase Goodbread closing out an abbreviated edition of the podcast. And Travis, just a little bit of recent football news that we'll hit on before we get out of here. The list of Alabama players invited to the NFL Scouting Combine in Indianapolis a little bit later this month has been released. Eleven Alabama players on the list. That's uh, uh, more than anyone else in the country. It's also, though, become relatively typical for the Crimson Tide. Uh, they always seem to be uh, 10 to 12 uh, or, in, or in that neighborhood, maybe a little bit less here and there. But uh, uh, once again, a huge contingent from Tuscaloosa on its way to Indy. The list, real quick defensive lineman Isaiah Bugs, also Damian Harris out of that offensive backfield, Josh Jacobs. You got linebacker Christian Miller. Uh, tight end Irv Smith, guard-slash-center Ross Piercebacher, Savian Smith, Deontay Thompson out of the secondary, Jonah Williams, Quinnen Williams, and Mac Wilson. What strikes me out of that group, Travis, is that there's not a borderline combine guy anywhere on it. Uh, y- usually Alabama will send 10 or 12, and you might scratch your head about one or two of them. Not this group. I think all these guys were pretty much no-brainers.
1: Yeah, and, and you're right. There's always that sort of, you know, late round uh, preferred free agent type that, that makes the trip, but it is. It's a stellar group, and, you know, it's going to be fascinating to watch play out because, you know, there are some guys that certainly exceeded expectations and how they're going to be perceived by NFL people to coming up during the meat and potatoes of the draft process and specifically you're talking about a guy like Josh Jacobs uh, and even Quentin Williams you know coming off the radar like he did and, and having the huge season uh, that he had as a redshirt sophomore and then maybe some guys that didn't live up to it at least in terms of statistical production like a Mac Wilson you know how is he viewed how does the the process treat him going through it I think physically in terms of measurables we've talked about this before mac wilson is going to be just fine he, i think he's going to run fine i think he's going to measure fine i think what's going to be interesting and, and you understand this more than anybody is when they have those interviews with mac wilson and they say okay mac you had 21 total tackles in the first 6 games of the season how did that happen yeah you know and how he responds to that sort of uh questioning chase you know that you know i mean how does how does that impact a guy like Mac Wilson, maybe more so than the stuff we see on the coverage with the physical
0: uh, testing. And the way they'll ask that question a lot of these teams is they won't even ask it verbally. He'll walk in and sit down to that interview room, and they'll have plays, Alabama plays from last season, queued up, ready to go, where maybe he disappeared. Maybe he wasn't where he was supposed to be. Maybe he missed this tackle or that tackle. And they'll run them and they'll say, what happened here? What happened there? And they want to like the answers because there are good answers. and There are not any great answers for not making a play. Uh, but there's some, there's some answers that could pass and some that can't.
1: Now, and the things we don't know in a situation like that, maybe there were lingering issues with Mac from the foot injury that he had had at the end of the, the 2017 season. It didn't seem to impact him at all in the, in the college football playoff and those wins over Clemson and Georgia. But, you know, those are also the things too, uh, Chase, right, that we don't know about, that teams do know about. That could change that line of questioning. But if in fact it goes the way that we just outlined, I would think better to just sort of own up to it. Right. Then say, well, we went through a position change uh, in coaches with with Jeremy Pruitt moving on Pete Golding coming in. I mean, that's that's got to be the worst way. You could answer that kind of question, I would think.
0: Yeah, and and not to pick on Mac Wilson, but just to use him as an example. Sure. The the NFL clubs will have not only will they have the full medical file on all these guys; they'll know every injury they've ever had. Well, they'll also know when those injuries occurred, and they'll, as they evaluate tape, they'll separate games where a guy was was gutting it out versus games where he. Should have been a hundred percent or looked a hundred percent, and that'll be key with Mac Wilson because we've seen over the last couple of years games where he's looked like a world beater uh, when, when he's been in you know tip top shape and other games where he just has not looked himself uh, because he's trying to grind through uh you know some kind of physical ailment so uh, you know Mac and and that's good for Mac Wilson for teams to be able to make that delineation. Uh, because the one, the ones that don't, um, you know, if you're Mac Wilson, you don't want those teams assuming that this game or that game where you didn't live up to it uh, is the best you got.
1: No doubt about it, and it, it will be interesting. And we're talking about Mississippi State, and I, you know, more so obviously with with basketball. But what about this horrific news involving Jeffrey Simmons, the yeah. defensive lineman for State, uh, with the ACL tear during training? Uh, Already has sort of the red flag in relation to the incident uh, involving domestic violence or violence against a a female uh, before he made it to state. To his credit, if you ask anybody at Mississippi State that's covered that team or been around that team, he has been exemplary in his behavior during his three years at state. But now to have to deal with an injury at this point, and a guy that's projected as a first-rounder, Chase, I mean – what does this mean for a guy like Jeffrey Simmons?
0: It's big, no doubt about it. And, and Jeffrey Simmons is is a, a first round talent. There's no question about it. Uh, he can he can move freakishly for a guy his size. Uh, but yeah, this is you know it's it's something that will definitely impact his his draft value. That the, the question is going to be, uh, obviously, clubs are going to want to know how how fast can he get back and and. You know, can we count on him for for anything at all uh, as a rookie? Now, as as we've seen, AC ACL tears vary now in terms of how the the length of recovery time. I mean, sometimes they still take 10, 12 months. Sometimes you see guys come back sooner than that. So that'll be something NFL clubs will be diving into with uh, Simmons for sure. Uh, and I, I think the biggest impact for him might be yeah, the clubs that feel like they gotta have something right now. Uh teams that maybe have a head coach and or a general manager who's really facing a, a now or never kind of season in the NFL in twenty nineteen. That's not the kind of club that's maybe going to want to invest in a Jeffrey Simmons if they think that he's not going to be able to do much of anything as a rookie. Uh, but, but uh, uh, you know, you know a team, a, a, winning, a winning NFL franchise. How about the Rams?
1: Yeah. How about the Rams throw this guy in there with Aaron Douglas? Exactly. Uh, you know, for the future. You know, because you got an older guy like Sue in Brockers uh, on, on that – on that Rams defense, I mean, this could be a blessing in disguise to a team like that, right? Later in the first round, something like that.
0: Perfect example of a team, yeah, that maybe wouldn't be as worried about an, an immediate knee injury for Jeffrey Simmons. Uh, but you know, but if you're Rams, if you're the Rams, you know, you you don't know if you're going to have a, an, an Adamic and Sue in, in a couple years. You know, who knows? You know, guys come and go in free agency so fast. You want to have guys uh, kind of waiting in the wings as much as possible, so. Uh, that'll be one to watch for sure, Jeffrey Simmons, the Mississippi State defensive tackle, uh, with that knee injury, and um,
1: wasn't wasn't headed to the combine as it is either because of that issue. Yeah, um, and and I said Aaron Douglas, obviously Aaron Donald of the Rams. So, man, it's just a, a another sort of obstacle for and a major one with an ACL, I guess for. For Jeff, Jeffrey Simmons,
0: couple of red flags for sure, and and uh, comes in a year as we've talked about before, where defensive line talent is is certainly deep. I'll uh, do it, I guess, as we close things out, Travis. What about just quickly, though, Travis? Quickly, <laughs> <laughs> what a just some peripheral Alabama football news here. Yeah. What do you, what do you make of Lance Thompson landing at FAU with Lane Kiffin?
1: Ah, uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, that that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, you know, uh,
0: three years with Will Muschamp, man. he goes down there and uh, he, he's gonna. Yeah. He, hey, ace.
1: you know, it's a nice transition into retirement if you're Lance. I yeah. mean, you know, it's South Florida, it's Lane. Um, you know, they have Uber down there. Everybody will be okay. Ace recruiter know? down there in South yeah. Florida. Lane, for the Lane, Lane and kidding. Lance show down there in Boca. <laughs> How about that?
0: Oof. <laughs> oh. Something to watch—that's for sure. That's going to do it for this edition of the Talking Tide podcast. For Travis Ryer of BamaOnline.com and Southern Fried Sports, I'm Chase Goodbread of NFL.com and Crimson Cover. We'll talk to you in another week or so, right here on Talking Tide.